Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Welcome to episode 207 of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhammer. I'm William Silver. And we're bringing you this podcast from UBC, fresh from watching the Whitecaps under-16s demolish Seattle Sounders under-16s 3-0, clinching a place in the USSDA Final Four. More on that later. We're going to kick this show off with some chat about the wonderful win on Wednesday night. Whitecaps' first team. Can't really say demolished New York, I guess, because it was a very, very late victory. But it was it was certainly a, a roller coaster of a game. Cats take the lead early, fall behind by half-time, fight back to win 3-2. What, what was your overall take in coming out of that one, Zach? Steve Pander got something right. <laughs> Did he go for three two? Uh, he went two one, but the fact that he he talked about you know the coming back from a disappointing match with a bit of grit and a bit of determination, and I think we saw that. I think we saw that on the field. I think it was evident from our coaches and and how they approached the game, or at least how they made tactical adjustments in the game. And uh, yeah, no, it was nice. It was a it was a nice performance, a nice win, and uh, it was. I think nice for the supporters of of the Whitecaps to enjoy uh, that kind of victory. And well, what did you what did you make of the the overall performance and especially the the kind of game of two halves? Really, completely different team coming out in that second half. Well, I think in the second half, the thing that was really enjoyable is that uh, you know in the past, especially last year, those were the games we lost. You know, we couldn't battle back from them. I think also breaking down the play a bit, is it was nice to see them actually pass it out of their end, uh, which was a nice of a switch, especially since it feels like the last few games they've just been pounding it down the field, going back a little bit to the Martin Rennie sort of uh, problem of, of pounding down the field and to see some passing um, out of the backfield, and especially when Reina came on and a lot of creativity. That's I think those are real positives. And they got off to a flying start a couple of minutes in. I think we can chalk that one up to the turf. Alexander Ring catching his foot in the turf, falling over. Great anticipation, though, from Freddie Montero to see that play happening. And then coming in on goal, 
gave a little bit of a shimmy, kind of put his shoulder down, sent the keeper the wrong way, and a, a wonderful finish in, into the bottom corner. And at that point, you're thinking, "Wow, I, I wasn't expecting this," but it, it was a it was a great goal. Going into that one, Montero had only scored one goal in the last nine matches. So good for his confidence getting back on that. And you could also argue, I guess, the goal that he did get wasn't necessarily his goal because it was Timmy Parker's. But Gray seems back in the score sheet and, yeah, great anticipation for it. It was, uh, yeah, it did feel a little unexpected, but it's nice to finally, um, not finally, but it's nice to get something from our poor playing surface at BC Place as opposed to losing players to it by injury or by not coming to Vancouver. Uh, so, yeah, it was it was great to take the lead. And uh, I think, yeah, a little bit, uh, I, I felt a little bit surprising, but quality finish. I think I was just really happy because, it, especially the way the Caps have been playing over the last couple of seasons, the first goal is so important for uh, morale, I did hate to see them sit back so much. It seemed like the second part of the first half, they sat back so much. I turned to one of the other people in the curve and just said, the goal's coming. It's coming soon. You know, I don't like to be right, but that yeah. did happen. So, I mean, I think it was great. They scored the early goal. I hated to see them sit back, but that tends to be the way that we're doing, especially with this low possession game that we're playing. Yeah, I mean, I was the same. You knew New York had a goal in them. They were always going to score at some point during that game. And then, of course, it comes in the 34th minute. Another defensive blunder, another mistake by Eisted, spilling the ball, but just all round, just some, some poor defensive play. And, and then Shano just pounced on that and, and poked it home from, from close range. But disappointing to see another goal given up to another defensive mistake. Yeah, no, it's it's really disheartening, especially after the early goal. And then the second goal, you know, you kind of feel like this is the same song but a different tune. Yeah. Uh, so um, I, I think that's also a positive as well to come back from that because it was kind of crushing and the, the crowd was definitely uh, disappointed to have such good energy at the end was a great turnaround. Losing a, a goal like that first one, Zach, I mean, we've seen it so many times before. I, do you have concerns about the defence and how easy they're giving up goals? Or do we have a team that if we do give up a couple of goals here and there, we've got the attack that at least can get them back in it, as we did see yesterday? Yeah, I think, in, and we've seen that more often than not this year, as opposed to previous years, where it felt like once we went behind, it felt like the match was over. But I'm not overly concerned, because again, you know, you had Kendall coming back from, from injury, you had Jake in his whatever second or third game. Uh, I wasn't. Uh, yeah, there was some errors. That that first goal was not pretty. Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't too concerned. What I was more concerned about is the continued, the, the consistency of the of the poor officiating uh, from MLS, which led led to uh, or resulted in our, our second goal. Right? There's no. There's no way that's ever a foul. Well, I've gone back and forth on it. When I first saw it. It, well, it took me a couple of attempts to actually realise that he'd given a penalty yeah. because I, I thought he had given a free kick for Ousted getting a boot to the face. Then you're watching the replay and then it became clear he'd given the penalty. And I'm watching the replay and I still couldn't see what it was for. And then good old Steve Pander said, oh, I think he's hit him with his cast. And then you're looking at it and one angle makes it look like there could have been contact and McNamara sold it well, held his face 
went down holding his face into Ousted. But then when you see it from other angles, and I've spoken to some photographers that were taking photos, and they said there, there was no contact at all. Well, that's where I think, um, to quote my German friend over there, uh, there's a lot of uh, maybe uh, cultural experiences going on where it's part of their culture. There's a lot of um, going down a bit soft, as we saw later in the second half. So I, I definitely think... I have to admit, the first time in the stadium, I didn't catch it because I was busy putting batteries into a megaphone. Uh, but true story. But um, but I think once I saw it a few times, I don't think it was a foul. But I see that there was contact. I think that he went down way too light. Uh, Pirlo went down a couple times too light, and I don't think it was a foul. But uh, I can I can see where some people are saying. I think there was a lot of confusion in the stadium about it being uh, uh, on Ostead. Uh, so the, at, at least in the crowd, uh, there's a lot of anger, I think, originally, because, uh, and this is partly watching it in the stadium, they don't always show the replays on these things. So the crowd was just going nuts. And at the half, they actually had the sort of police or security walk the uh, referee out through the tunnel uh, because so many people actually crowded our section because they wanted to go over and give the ref a piece <laughs> of their mind. So, I mean, uh, in the stadium, it, it seemed a lot worse than when I went home and watched some of the recaps. Yeah, I did notice a lot of the extra security by, by the tunnel area. And you, mean, you mentioned Perlo there, and poor old pensioner Perlo, his, his hip gave out twice, once in each half in the box. <laughs> he just can't obviously get forward anymore, went down, obviously popped it, needs a little bit of an operation. But then they go in 2-1 at halftime, you're fearing the worst. You're playing a star-studded New York team that's moved the ball away well, the Whitecaps have been second best in that half. And... I, I don't know. I, I asked Robbo afterwards, did he use that incident as motivation for the team of, look, this is what you're up against, you're fighting against this. But whatever happened, that they were a different team in that second half. Right from the, the get-go, attacking, going forward, m moving the ball well from wing to wing, and just a completely different second half. Yeah, it, was, uh, and, uh, it, had, it had to do with, I think, that, that halftime team talk. Well, then, then Harvey gets the goal in the 54th minute. Beautiful cross. Bolo. Bolo, like, a terrific ball to the back post. Harvey steady. Hadn't scored for, what, like three years or two and a half years or whatever, but steady at the back post. Quality finish right over the keeper's head. A really hard place for a keeper to adjust to. Yeah, I was so happy for Jordan. Another quality ball from Bola. And it really... Uh, it, it felt it felt like a little bit like we got our tails up. Like we were a little bit like, okay, now we can go and win this. Yeah. I mean, Bola's crossing in the first half and Teixeira's as well had been patchy. There was a lot of misplaced passes. But the second half, it was a, a beautiful curling cross from Bola right on to Jordan Harvey. Sweet volley finish. And it's kind of nice to see that it isn't just the Whitecaps that don't pick up players at the back post and allow a goal to go in. Yeah, well, even Reyna was making runs that people weren't picking up. So, I mean, it was encouraging that we were actually making those runs and getting to the balls. Uh, just to continue on what you're saying, like after, but after the, the Harvey goal, I mean, that was definitely a boost, but you bring Reyna on and that's a whole change to the game, right? So um, it was, and, you know, you hear a lot of chat afterwards and, and there was a lot of hype around Reyna and uh, we'll have to see long-term, but definitely very encouraging because... He really added that creative spark 
that I think people have been looking for. Um, and if we can add a couple more pieces maybe in this window, um, I think it actually is looking pretty good. But it may just be some of these pieces that people are talking about, like Hutch, maybe in the short term. But Reyna looks like he's pretty good for a while. Yeah, Reyna was the difference maker when he came on. We saw it in glimpses in the the heavy defeat in Chicago, so it's kind of hard to take much from that. Mm. But dream home debut, you come on, you, you get your goal, the game winner, two minutes from time. But just the little movements that he did and the passes and just he was busy, he wanted to get involved. Yeah. Uh, Robbo said afterwards he's a player that likes to get in the box. And I, I think one of the most pleasing aspects is you could see it right away that right as soon as he comes on, Montero is not isolated. He's actually got somebody that can help him out and, and do some of the, the heavy work and trying to take some of the pressure off him. I, I think yeah. I may have seen him crack a smile for the first time since he's been here. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, uh, between Freddie and Tuchera, I mean, you could already see the sort of creativity just come unlocked. Uh, and almost immediately, there was just a lot of interplay in the box. Besides the quite amazing, um, you know, Superman header that he put in, uh, there was at least two more plays that that time he got it in the box and actually, you know, quieted the ball down and took a turn at it. I mean, that was like, we don't see that very often from the Whitecaps. So that was encouraging. There's another one that was over the bar, um, you know, that he sort of just got a wrong-footed volley on it, but... Uh, that was encouraging as well, and he was only 30 minutes on the field, and I, I would say he had at least uh, two other chances that could have gone in. Yeah, he, we saw a little bit of his magic, right? We saw a little bit of this, what we saw in, in Portland uh, early in the year, where he he can dance, and he can make those intricate uh, passes in the middle or even even from wide places, wide positions, right? And yeah, it was uh, it was encouraging. It's it's nice to have a player with that kind of football IQ and that kind of creativity and that kind of drive to to create and to take chances. You're right. We saw it at Chicago that time where he he cut in from the left, played the ball through the middle. It it bounced out to him and he had to go and actually tested Lampson that day. And and uh, yeah, what a what a great what a great home debut. Looking for, obviously, we're looking forward to a full debut in a, in a few weeks time against Portland. But it was nice for him. I think it was nice for the coaching staff. To, to see the side grit their teeth and come from behind and and not be taken down by a strong side or poor officiating or whatever not we don't have to talk about those things in the same light as we would have if we would have if it was a draw or a loss um, but it was nice nice to see them uh, be able to get the result yeah I mean you don't want to, to heap too much pressure on Reyna and have him as, as being the savior of the team but it's hard not to get excited and carried away just from what we saw pre-season, from the little glimpses we've seen from two subs appearances. And the finish for the goal, one of the smallest guys on the pitch, a bullet of a header. But even building up to that, the, the interplay between Christian Teixeira and Jake Nerwinski was fantastic. And that's going to give Nerwinski so much confidence. He tore up that right wing in the later stages. And one thing that, that we have to mention is, I, I was saying to Steve... You were kind of looking at the, the formation and the shape of the team. And he'd kept the two-man defensive shield on there. And you're you're saying to yourself, is he going to just be happy to get a point out of this? Yeah. Yeah. Or is he going to go for it? And then he went for it. Totally, totally. When that when he brought on, when, when, when Bernie came on around the 85th minute or whatever, 
uh, and took off AJ, it was a clear signal of one point is not good enough today. We're at home. We need to win. And that was, I think, hugely refreshing. And I think it, I think it also helped the players on the park to recognize, okay, yeah, we need to go and we need to go and finish this. And you know, fair play to you know Bola went in the middle, kind of further back, and had to do a little bit more of heavy lifting in terms of defensively and keeping keeping possession. And um, it was, yeah, it was like, okay, this is one one is not good enough. It must be three today. Certainly was refreshing. I, I know you guys have mentioned in the past there's been a few decisions where they've brought on, um, you know, Tybert or, or other defensive people when they they could have bring a, run on a, um, Mosquito or, or other options. So it was nice, as, as Zach says, just to actually take an offensive turn at it. The goal, Nerwinski's cross, fantastic cross, and the bullet of a header. But for Nerwinski... That's going to give him so much confidence. He had a bit of a rough outing against Chicago. Although, who didn't have a bit of a rough outing against Chicago? And he had a really solid game against New York. And playing a lot of top talent, kept him at bay, got forward in the second half. And the cross that he whipped in was phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a positive sign. Obviously, there's other things going on. But uh, it's nice to see competitiveness at a position and people pushing each other in a position so I mean it's it's great if if it's not like last year where it seemed it was I hate to use the dumb and dumber it's not that bad but last year it was definitely there was no good option at right back you know there there was I don't want to totally thrash Fraser Aird because he showed some signs but certainly there was ups and downs and then he was injured and and you know as much as I I like Jordan it there definitely was some weakness at the right back position. So it's nice to see that we almost have the reverse problem developing. Um, definitely it's a little bit too soon with Jake. After only a few MLS games, it's nice to see Jake actually make some genuine offensive contributions and um, still not create big defensive liabilities at the same time. And moving forward... It gives Robo a headache because Nowinski's done well. Shane and Williams is now back, fit, available to play. Well, maybe not fit, he's still getting up to match fitness, but he's available to play. Did, does Robo put Williams back in as the veteran after the break? Or do you keep with Nowinski? Or do you just let the two of them battle it out at training in, in the week before the LA game? The, the situation with Shane is still feels awkward. Uh, I know when we talked about this, we talked about this before, and we don't need to talk this in great detail. I, I understand people's perspective of he doesn't know anyone, any kind of description about what's going on and, or, you know, what, what happened, what didn't happen, whatever. And I understand the perspective of you play for our club and we, we need to know a little bit uh, more than what's been shared so far or, or there needs to be a bit more of a remorseful attitude towards maybe not what happened, but what it caused, the disruption it caused at the club. Now, some may feel the statement covered those things, and that's fine, but it's, it's, there's, there's an awkwardness. And so I, I, I tend to think that Jake's been playing pretty well, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him continue. At the same time, I wouldn't be surprised to see them put Shane in back in. I don't know. I think Nowinski's deserved to, to keep his starting spot. 
with, with the way that he's played, I, I just don't think it sends a good message to him and the other young players if you then put Williams back in the lineup without him having earned it. Now, if in the next week or so, Williams outperforms him drastically at training, that's a whole different matter. And we'll, we'll keep a close eye on that. So that's some of our thoughts on the Whitecaps win over New York City. Let's hear a little bit now from both head coaches. So we'll hear first from Whitecaps coach Carl Robinson and then from a man well-travelled. New York City FC head coach, Patrick Vieira. So I imagine if we'd spoken to you at half-time, a much different feeling to how you feel now. Did you use that adversity in the first half to motivate the team? Because they looked like a completely different team in the second half. Yeah, uh, you know, you, you have to give credit sometimes to the op- the opposition team and we got off to a really good start. I wanted to play on the front foot today, especially after Saturday's disappointment, and we did. We got a goal from that, but, you know, we weren't in any doubt that it would be a very difficult game against NYFC. You know, they've got top, top players and players who haven't played regular minutes for them come in today. Um, so we knew it would be difficult and we knew they would have a lot of the ball because they were a possession-orientated team and uh, we hung in there. I think it's. Uh, I think I've used it before. An awful decision. It was an awful decision. And I said to the players, I want to keep 11 men on the field at half time, reset, refocus, and just get back to basics. Uh, and that was us in the second half. We've got to know who we are. If, if we think we're going to go and pass every team off the off the park, we're mistaken. If we want to make the game simple and get our attacking players in attacking areas to let them express themselves, like we did in the second half. We're going to win games. And that's what I said to my half-time. I was quite calm this half-time compared to Saturdays. I think when you look at, um, at the game, I think um, both teams had their own half. I think even if we concede the first goal in the first half, I think we managed to get back and winning 2-1. I think in the first half, we create um, a lot of chances and, um, and we only scored two goals. And then when they came back in the second half, I think... Um, they were more aggressive. They put us um, under a lot of pressure. And, uh, and the chances or the situation that they created, um, they scored the goals. I think uh, both teams had their own half. And the difference was, uh, was that they taking their chances and, and we didn't were in the first half. Patrick, do you, are you disappointed, particularly when you had the chance to win the game with two from Harrison, I think one from being very late on, that they, they just didn't take them, they didn't even hit the target test David Oston in those situations. Yeah, I think uh, you're always disappointed when you're winning 2-1 at halftime and lose the game 3-2 and created the number of chances that we created away from home. But, um, you know, when I look at the performance of my players, the way they work, uh, it's difficult for me to ask them to do more than what they did today. Um, I'm really happy with the performances and um, I believe that if we keep playing like that, if we keep working the way we've been working in the last few weeks, uh, we will win more games that we're going to lose. But, um, but today you have to give credit to, uh, to Vancouver because the first half was tough for them because I think we played well. But they managed to find the energy and to bounce back and, um, and to score these uh, two goals in the second half who, uh, who give them the three points. So um, you have to give them a lot of credit as well because they play some really good football at time. There seems an awful lot of strong teams in the Eastern Conference this season. 
at the halfway stage, what, what are you making of the, the race for the Eastern Conference? I think it is um, really open. I think, of course, you, uh, you have Toronto and Chicago who are doing really well at the moment. Um, but I think, uh, you know, in the league, what is interesting is that anybody can lose points against any, any other team. So we're still in the competition. Um, of course, it's going to be really difficult. It's going to be really tough. But it's going to be difficult for other teams as well. So, um, you know, we are playing well. We are playing some really good football. And, um, and I tell you, like I said earlier, and if we keep playing like that, we will win more games that we're going to lose. So Carl Robinson and Patrick Vieira there with their thoughts on the match. Just a, a couple of final things I, I just want to talk about. One was the shape. The, the Caps went back to a 4-2-3-1. Chani and Jacobson in the middle with Kendall Waston returning to the back line. Playing with a bandage on, obviously not 100% good to go. And yeah, you kind of wonder if Kendall didn't have that bandage on and there was the flailing arm, would the penalty have been given? I assume you saw, but... Uh in his displeasure over yes. the call, he ripped the whole thing off, yes. throwing a bunch of it on the ground and throwing the main part off off the pitch. But then he got a new one at, at halftime because he was he had a yeah he was wearing one at the end. Yeah, yeah, I I, I do wonder a little bit about that, but it it, it it was obviously the wrong call. Like, and it'll be interesting to see if Disco protects. Uh, their their referee on this, or they they're pretty good at doing that, right? But it, it, well, they're also pretty good at. Well, I hate I hate this term, but they're also really good at throwing them under the bus. So I I, I uh, it'll be interesting to see. There's multiple plays in that game where they could decide to, you know, give bans to players for their actions. Yeah, and we'll come to one of those in a few minutes. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Um, Certainly, it would be interesting to see what Disco does. Uh, it's been a bit different this year, but last year it was completely inconsistent and sort of undercutting referees a lot of the time. Talking of the, the other kind of flops and stuff, Herrera in the first half, Montero goes chest to chest with him. Herrera goes down like he's been shot by a sniper. Surely he's going to get Disco'd. It's Disco, so you never know, but... It would be nice to see that type of embellishment or simulation uh, punished. And so, yeah, it, it, the, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the, the, big, the, the most heinous part is he, did, he grabbed his face, right, when he went down? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, that needs to be, something needs to happen there. I could, I could see it maybe being a fine because it was not, a, you know, for a penalty, it was not a game-changing thing, but something needs to happen there because that's a disgrace to football. And in a culture like North America, where it's not the, it's not the simulation is not valued, is not seen as being clever. It's actually seen as a negative. It's uh, you you can't have that. Yes, yeah, a scumbag move. It, there's there's no defending it at all, and I think it will just be a fine. But it, he definitely has to get something for it. it. It was shocking to see. Those are the things that make YouTube highlight reels right so i mean <laughs> uh, yeah and as zach says i mean you never know with disco 
but you got to think this is one of the things that reflects badly on the league and and that's where you know it is a bit of a cultural thing and it's one of the things that's held the game back a bit in north america is this culture of uh, flopping or diving or whatever you want to call it so not that the league talks to me on a regular basis but i would definitely think that this is this is one of those things you have to you have to stamp out and make an example of uh, whether they do let's let's see what happens and I got a chance to ask Freddie about that after the match. Just really for his thoughts to, to see what it's like to see another professional doing that too, yeah. So here's what Freddie had to say. You've been in this game for a long time. How disappointing is it to see a fellow professional just fall to the ground like that when there's no contact? Um, that's going to end uh, as soon as we have uh, uh, the video replay. I think uh, that's, that's something that's going to help um, the game because sometimes that, that calls uh, change the games. Uh, even a yellow card or a red card or, or a penalty kick like the, the one that we had today. And it's out of control. As a, as a player, you only uh, need to show when you had the ball. So we don't make the calls, but we can take it back as well. So that was Freddie Montero's thoughts there, not on Herrera's flop. And yeah, it's one of those things, as he said there, you pick up a booking, accumulation of yellow cards could come into play and it, it's just I, I had a heart-stopping moment in the second half when Montero was fouled and he grabbed the ball and I thought we were going to see another Matias Labas situation oh, yeah. where yeah. he was going to get sent off for getting a second yellow for touching the ball but thankfully that that didn't come to pass and then looking at the shape Chani Jacobson the two-man defensive shield with Matty Laba out suspended I liked seeing the 4-2-3-1 again I thought it worked well in the match Going forward, it's like, do we want to go with this 4-2-3-1? Do we want to go for a 4-1-4-1? And if everyone's healthy, what does this starting 11 look like? Matias Laba will return to the starting 11, which I think will impact kind of the, the formation. I could, I could see them going back to a 4-1-4-1, but the bigger question is, how are you going to fit in? Where are you going to fit in Reyna? That's the biggest question. So I, I could see 4-1-4-1 and him kind of in the middle, or I could see more of a 4-2-3-1 again with him in, in the middle or out wide depending on who's available. The nice thing is with people, not everyone, but with people getting healthy again, is there are even more attacking options and even more things for our opponents to to plan for and to prepare for and, and options for ways for us to change games. So it'll be interesting to see what Robbo decides to do. But you you, you, you got to think, for sure, Reyna starts against Portland on the 23rd. Yeah, no, I, I have to agree. I mean, especially after what we saw in the 30 minutes that he was on the field and also the way that he interacted with people like Montero, who's basically been on the island of Dr. Mumro for the last, you know, five, six games. Um, it was uh, definitely encouraging. You can't see anything but him starting. I mean... Chani is an interesting one because um, I guess he didn't notably suck this game. Uh, he wasn't horrible, definitely more encouraging. But, you know, besides maybe one or two games, he really hasn't shone all that much and it feels like they've given him a real shot. But it really, like you say, with the formation, if they choose this formation going forward, you know, he kind of slots in there. But are they going to pick up anybody else? the Atiba Hutchinson thing. Some people are saying it's done. Uh, some people are saying it's not going to happen. So, I mean, I think that would really change a bit of it too. 
Oh, for sure. And I mean, the transfer window opens next week. Lots of rumours floating about. One, from a Whitecaps point of view, that Christian Dean might move on. That could see Robbo looking at bringing in a centre-back. I kind of think a, a formation that could work quite nicely is a 4-1-3-2. With Laba as the holding, and then up front have Reina and Montero, so you've got them complementing each other and just playing off each other and giving each other something else. Belanius maybe in the middle if he wants to do that with Davies and Shea either side of that. But then you've got Chani and Jacobson. Like, where, where do you fit them in as well? And you forgot Christian Tachero and all that. True. But I still would like to see a 4-1-3-2 and then try and fit your pieces into that formation. I know Jacobson's been doing well and it would be a shame to see him drop out the lineup. But I think when you're at home especially and you want an attacking performance, he sits on the road, maybe go to the 4-1-4-1 with him coming in. But of course, the Caps did have their biggest success, or at least that a spell of successes, where they didn't change the lineup for a number of weeks. So we'll see with that going forward. So last thing just to ask you about this then. The Caps are going into a break now. They don't play LA for two weeks down in LA. Is it a good thing to have the break now to get all the players rested, healthy, back to full strength? Or do you want to really be building on this momentum? Yeah, I think if you ask the ask players, they, they want to keep playing. However, I think probably for the overall, where, where things are right now, this is probably not a bad time for a break. It gives you know, certain players the opportunity to get fully fit, fit. It'll give certain players like a Christian Dean hopefully some time to get minutes with WFC2. Uh, yeah, it, you, but when you win, you, you never want to stop. You want to keep going. But, yeah, hopefully it helps uh, get ready for that LA, LA away game and, and more, more importantly, the Cascadia Cup game against Portland. I think, uh, again, I have to agree from a player's point of view, I think you want to keep on a roll, especially with Reyna coming in and having such a hot start. You want to keep building on that, building the chemistry. But from the organization standpoint, this is actually not a bad thing for them to build a little bit of buzz, have some positive stories out there, especially after some of the things that have been going a couple weeks ago. This is actually a good build into the game against Portland and also... uh, for the players as well to get rested up, like you said. I'd like to see them playing again, but it is what it is. Uh, one other thing is that I, I think when the schedule came out and this break was, was there, I think we were probably all ex- excited about it because we, we, we were probably thinking there was a high probability of us losing our, yes. t- our Ticos. Yes. And we do have, what, the four guys away with Canada. Yeah. Uh, and so... So they don't care. Which for you, Michael, I know is a big deal. So uh, we're missing those guys. Uh, so in that sense, it's nice that, that uh, it's nice that we're not. Well, it's nice that we're not missing the Ticos because they're on the side. But I mean, hopefully for Canada's sake, the, the, the Canadians aren't back in time either because <laughs> they're gone far. But I, I think I think that when the schedule came out, this was a, a different kind of thing, and I think this was like a something that we were excited about and happy about. And now I think it's yeah, it might be a little bit different. Yeah, half time yesterday. I was quite glad that there was a break coming up. I didn't really want to be watching any more Whitecats football, but I'm yeah. a bit disappointed now. They were on a roll, but it's going to get the guys healthy. So we've seen before we struggle sometimes when we come back from a break, and it's a tough, tough stretch coming up. LA away, Portland at home, three game summer heat road trip that we get every year. We talked about that on Sunday, so we'll, we'll see what happens from that. And the Western Conference is kind of totally up for grabs at the moment. It's wide open. In the East, there's a couple of teams running away with it, one of them being New York City. 
We saw Chicago just a few days before as well. We've already seen Toronto. What, what did you make of, of New York? We talked about this in the preview of, of the game, but it was nice. This it, it was they, they play some nice football, and you could just see watching them how they play it out of the back, like how much they work on that both in the movement and actually the passing of the ball. It's almost like when you play FIFA and you know a guy's, you know where a guy's supposed to be because of the formation you're playing and the, the way you've tactically set things up. You know a guy's supposed to be in a certain spot so you can play a ball there. It looked a little bit like that with New York, uh, with New York last night. Like They knew where they were going to play the ball because they knew where every, everyone was going to be because of just how hard they are working the ball out of the back and guys coming back and getting in, into certain spots. Um, so even, even in times where they were under pressure, they were still able to play the quick ball because they knew who was going to be there and how they are going to support them, and, and those guys were moving quickly into those spots. So they are, I think, an enjoyable team to watch aside from perhaps a simulation, and you can understand why they are where they are, in, in, I think, in the table. So that's how you're meant to play FIFA. I just get the ball with my one man and try and run through every single player on the on the field. Not with much success, which is why I don't understand eSports and think it's nonsense. E- EA Sports. No, eSports. No, EA. EA. eSports. <laughs> I don't know who's older. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, what did you make well of New York? Uh, well, I, I mean, I think, uh, so I guess to Zach's point about the passing out of the backfield, is that where we got it from? We saw them doing it, so we thought uh might be worth a chance. Uh, no, I, I, I think you definitely see the quality there. I've heard a lot of comments. Actually, my brother-in-law was from, he's a Toronto supporter. I try not to hold it against him. Uh, he was texting me like, this is a great neutrals game to watch. And I said, I wish I was a neutral. But um, it, it was, I think, a very enjoyable game, especially that back and forth. And you can really see the quality on some of those players uh, when they're not flopping all over the field and that build up from the backfield as well. I know it took a while for them to develop that, as Zach says, knowing where players are going to go. But you can see where sometimes that investment in a formation, that investment in a system is worthwhile. Yeah, and I told Patrick Vera after the game. <laughs> I told him, I said, it's, it, you know, it's... You were speaking to Patrick Vera. Well, he was walking, we were cleaning up, and he was walking by the section, so I said thank you. I meant to, I was going to say thank you for the three points, but I thought that might be a bit rude, so <laughs> I just said thanks for the match, and then just told him, like, it's 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 good to see how you, how you have your players playing, how you play out of the back so well. Yeah, they, they impressed me. I also like the fact that they brought their, their big names here because this is the kind of game they could have arrested them from. Yeah. A long trip west on a, on a plastic pitch, sorry, artificial turf pitch. And other teams have rested their guys or other players haven't come. So, I mean, full credit to have Via, Perlo, all their, their guys out there. It was impressive to see. I do get the feeling that the East, there's a couple of really strong teams and then there's a wider gap between them and some of the teams at the bottom. In the West, we're all kind of pretty level and it is totally up for grabs. Now, Steve headed into the New York City locker room after the game, got a chance to speak to striker Jack Harrison and defender Ben Sweat. So let's hear what they had to say. Uh, first of all, your overall thoughts on the game? 
thought it was a tough game. I thought um, we we didn't start off right, which is where they got the first goal early, um, and then we started to play, got back, uh, got ourselves back into the game, and then um, uh, gave up a goal, the, the second goal, the equaliser, uh, which I took responsibility for. I thought I should have headed that away, and um, we we couldn't finish our chances. I myself had a couple of chances that I should have finished off. Um, so I'm pretty disappointed about that, but we're just a bit unfortunate, and um, they were able to come out with a win. Was it uh, the second half? Was it something they did differently? Something you guys did differently, or was it just uh, just more pressure that they applied? Um, no, I think it was a bit of both, really. I think uh, both sides were applying pressure. You know, it was a back and forth game. But yeah, they just finished their chances, and we we were we didn't finish ours. So. Uh, playing with a guy like Perlo, um, obviously he's he's been in and out of the lineup this year. Is, does it make it uh, easier or more difficult because you're it's kind of a different game he plays? Um, or is it just an adjustment? I, I don't know. I mean, uh, Andre is a great great player, you know, obviously with his career and everything, he brings a lot to the team, and um, you know, I, I think I don't know. It's tough to say, really. I, I wouldn't really put put that into our game at all this year, um, today, but. Um, you know, with or without him, I think you know, the team does great, and uh, we have a very tough midfield. So it's uh, it's been tough, but it's always great having him in there. And with his passing, it's incredible. With like teams like in the East, it's so you know tough at the top. TFC seems like they're winning all the time. Chicago seems like they're winning all the time. Is it put more pressure on you guys? Just that you feel like you need to win almost every game at this point? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we wanted to win today it's to stay with them and to be competing with them throughout the season and. Today was an important game, so we're disappointed about that. Perfect, thank you. Uh, your overall thoughts on the game and how it went? It seemed like a, a game of two halves with uh, you guys dominating the first and they took over in the second. Yeah, it was, just, it was a little back and forth uh, with both sides. And, you know, we uh, we had a chance to, to close the game out and, and kill them off. But uh, we let them hang around on, on their home field in front of their fans and that gave them a little more, a little more momentum and a little more energy and... Uh, I think that was the only uh, only difference in the game, to be honest. Um, you know, we just we made mistakes as a team today, and we lost as a team today. That's that's all. What do you, what, was, what do you take it to? Like, do, do you think they put more pressure on you guys? Was something they did, something you guys did, or was it like tired legs from the travel, or like what is it a combination of everything? I just think I think uh, they put a little more high pressure on us, and. Uh, you know, we would play out of it or, you know, we would try to play out of it and then turn the ball over and then, you know, we'd have to be chasing back. And, um, you know, it, it's tough to play against that sometimes. It's, you know, and they're playing a constant long ball game as well, which was also putting our, our back four and our goalkeeper under pressure a lot. So, With uh, teams like TFC in Chicago, they seem like it's so tough up, up top. You're with them in the top three. Um, they seem like they're winning all the time. Chicago is just on fire, on literally, literally on fire right now. Yeah. Um, the, uh, do you guys feel pressured to stay with them? Like you got to win every game, or no? It's it's one game at a time. We look at every game the same. We the same tactics, same uh, same style of play for every game. When we go into every single game, and that's that's not going to change throughout the year, no matter what uh, what place we're in or who we're playing against, home or away. Uh, nothing, Patrick. It's not going to have anything change for us. Thank you very much. Thank you.
So Jack Harrison uh, and Ben Sweat there. And I'll be interested to see how the, the East shapes out. Nice to see that Toronto aren't on the top anymore. And we'll see how all that shakes on down the road. In the West, like we say, it's all up for grabs. LA seem to be like shipping goals left, right and centre. Whitecaps head to them a week on Wednesday now, so we'll see how that plays out as well. But I think the big question now to ask everyone is, anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? So, Carl, you're at home, probably watching the football. You've got your beverage of choice in front of you. Yeah. What would you dunk in it? Chocolate digestive, rich tea biscuit, or are you not a dunker? I am a dunker, um, but I'm more of a bourbon. Oh, yes. fancy. You grew up No, no, I wouldn't say that at all. <laughs> but I, um, I was addicted to bourbons, so that'll be my bourbon answer. Excellent, thank you. Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? So that's our new section there. Robbo kicking it off. John Herdman is next up, and you'll hear that on Sunday's show. So just before we wrap up this episode of the podcast, we have to talk about why we are sitting in a dugout here tonight. Bycats residency under-16s beat Seattle Sounders under-16s 3-0 in their USSDA quarter-final. Fantastic win. 1-0 lead at half-time from Alessandro. Not even going to attempt his second name. The captain. The captain. Hodjabruer. Yep, probably murdered that. Storm has started the second half. Two goals in the first five minutes. Jefferson, a lad, getting his fourth goal in fourth playoff games. And Jose Hernandez getting his fifth goal in the four playoff games. Takes the Whitecats into 16s through to the semi-finals now. They're head to LA next Friday. Semi-final is on Friday. And then the final, hopefully the championship game will be on the Sunday. So hopefully we will see them in that. Regular under-16s head coach Adam Day wasn't able to take the team for this game. He's away on a coaching course. So the team was taken by assistant coach, everyone's favourite legend, Carl Valentine. So I got a chance to catch up with Carl after the game, just for his thoughts on that, and just how he's enjoying his transition into coaching. So a fantastic win there. What did you make the, the overall performance to start with? Yeah, we looked um, we looked a bit tensive in the the first half, and um, you know it's it's a big game. We're at home. We're playing Seattle. All the coaches are out and watching, and um, it's not like it was a big crowd, but you could see there was a little bit tentative. I thought we still, you know, controlled uh, the game for the most part, and um, they were dangerous on their set plays. Um, we had one bit of quality in that first half and we scored the goal and that's what we told them at half time was uh, just have a little bit more belief in the game and um, I thought they Seattle played as well as they could and you know we were kind of not in second gear and uh, they came out the second half they uh, upped the tempo a little bit and uh, got the two quick goals and you know it was kind of game over then but even saying that you know Evan had to come up with some uh, big saves and uh, penalty save and some other big saves so um, it was a good performance. Uh, I think uh, the guys dug deep, a little bit of pressure, but uh, in the end they handled it well. <laughs> uh, the first half, Seattle had a number of chances and then didn't take them. 
What did you say to them at half-time? Because they, they came out in the second half, all guns blazing, two goals in the first five minutes. Well, we're just very tentative in uh, the way we played, the way we pressed, uh, not breaking lines. We were kind of playing not to lose a game. And, uh, you know, it's tough sometimes, you know, that uh, you'd like uh, them to be playing in more games like this where, you know, they feel that kind of pressure. Um, obviously, they relaxed a little bit the second half. Uh, they come out with a lot more belief and uh, they got what they should have got because, you know, they're a good team and uh, if they believe in themselves like they did in the second half, they're a tough team to play against and uh, it's a good learning experience this for them. And Foco, I've seen a lot of these guys for the first time tonight. Jose Hernandez has had a fantastic year, 22 goals coming into tonight. How, how good a talent do you think he can be going forward? He's a, he's a big talent. Um, you know, you you look at the um, you know the residency program. We keep producing uh, players with uh, good potential, and and he's one of them. Um, he's uh, you know he's more of a natural striker. We've been playing out wide um, to allow Jefferson to, to to play up front, and he's a player we want to get even more involved in the game. So even though he's playing out wide, we encourage him to come inside and uh, look for the ball. As you can see, he's comfortable on the ball. He likes taking on and running at defenders, and uh, is is a good finisher. He's very strong in the air so um, you know we got high hopes for him and Jefferson's another guy I was going to ask you about four goals now in four playoff games he was injured for a bit of the year what, what do you see in him moving forward? Yeah, he's uh, come on leaps and bounds. Um, you know, he's a player that's not really been in our programme for very long. And when he was, he was injured up until Christmas. So uh, we haven't been able to work with him a great deal. Um, but he's really coming into his own right now in the playoffs and uh, today's game. Um, his, his, his strength's holding up the ball. Um, and uh, he's, he's getting a knack of scoring goals. We call him goal of game Jefferson. So, um, you know, that's something we knew he needed to get in his locker. Uh, we like to work on his movement as a, as a front man. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, he's another good talent. And moving on now to the, the final four, the semi-finals next week, first time the under-16s have made it to that stage. What does it mean to the programme and what does it mean to you? You've been involved with this group now for a couple of years. Yeah, we've had some heartbreaks. I've uh, been in a couple of quarter-finals now with uh, Rich and uh, Adam and, um, you know, they've been a couple of hard you know, heartbreakers, uh, you know, I m remember one of the games, we, you know, probably deserved to lose, the other team was better, but uh, one of the other quarterfinals uh, we should have won. Last year's team was a quality team and they didn't get out uh, of the, uh, the, 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 the playoffs in Indianapolis. So this squad has uh, really grown um, and, and, and got better and um, they deserve everything they got because when we went to, to Indianapolis, uh, play against three MLS teams, uh, we probably went in as underdogs and... Uh, um, they uh, they gutted it out. Uh, they played LA uh, to uh, get to this stage, and um, they just show a lot of grit and determination and quality. Moving into coaching, doing this, obviously you've played for a number of years. How much do you enjoy this? What, what do you get out of this? Oh, I, it's I you know I, I've been where the kids have been. Um, I, I've had the dreams that uh, these kids have had. So, you know, if I can. Um, you know, use my experience for them to know what the little things to do to get to that level. Like today was a great experience. I've been in quarterfinals and semis myself. You know how it feels, you know how the players feel. So you could relate to them at half time where they were a little bit tentative. So, you know, I, I love just being around the guys, being around uh, such uh, quality players that, uh, you know, have uh, their goals and aspirations that hopefully can help them on the way, uh, knowing that, you know, only a small percentage are going to make it. but. Um, if you can build 
what we're trying to do is we can build good people as well as good players and it's it's very very rewarding thank you so much good luck next week and thanks Carl thanks a lot So Cal Valentine there, great, great win for the Caps, Zach. What did you make of the match? It's always good to beat the Flounders. It doesn't matter what age, what level, what league. Uh, so that's that was awesome. Great, uh, great performance from the side. I felt like Escobar, the left back, was a beast on the day. Uh, given license to just bomb forward, uh, and uh, the keeper made a penalty save to keep the Flounders off the score sheet. Also great. Evidence had a fantastic yeah. second half. I mean, the game was over that by that point, but he had three or four fantastic saves. It was awesome. We were standing next to, I believe, his grandmother as she sat right here in a, in a chair watching, and uh, she was, uh, yeah, she was over the moon with her grandson's performance. Yeah, it was a great crowd tonight. It was really good to see the support out there. What, what did you make of that performance, Will? I just thought, uh, you know, it, it's actually great to see a lot of maturity in the U16s. Um, a lot of confidence. I mean, it just seemed to ooze confidence, as Zach was saying. You know, with with Escobar, he showed a lot of confidence on the ball, a lot of nice movement, and the keeper made outstanding saves. So it, it really was a bit of a dominating performance, and it, it's just great to see that from from the kids. We were just talking about NYCFC and how they play the ball at the back. One of the things tonight a little bit but also when watching the feeds of, of some of the games in uh indiana indiana, indiana uh it was nice it's nice to see this side uh play the ball in the back with confidence and uh i didn't notice it as much tonight as i did when i was watching those feeds but it was nice to see the two-footedness of a lot of our players uh and just the way that they're they're developing yeah, no, it's uh, whether that's the, the player's natural ability or inclination or that's what's being coached into them, it's 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 really nice and refreshing to see. And I know we've said this a number of times previously about U sixteen sides, but yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of promise there and so it'll you know, we obviously hope for the best for them in, in California in the semifinal and in the hopefully in the final. It's the first time the 16s have made it into the final four. 18s have been there twice, been to two championship games in 2012 and 2016, heartbreaking both. It was great to, to see Michael Baldissimo out there. He's been playing with the USL and U18s all year. Escobar that you mentioned, he's mainly been playing with the 18s side this year as well. But, I mean... Michael Baldissimo came on as a sub in 2015 and scored the goal that took that game to extra time in the quarterfinal. So a couple of years later, he's still with the 16s. It's just incredible what he's done. But fantastic showing from the 16s. We wish them well. We'll have full coverage on AFTN from the quarterfinal game and in the build-up to the semis and the final as well. So that is it for this episode of the show. Just before we go, Zach, let everyone know where they can find you online. On Twitter, it's at ZacharyAM, and I'm part of the Movement Career Collective. And well, where can people find you online? So, on Twitter, at William A. Silver, and I'm also part of a movement called Curva Collective. I'm Michael McCall. I'm not part of the Movement Curva Collective. I kind of feel a bit left out tonight. But you can find me on Twitter, at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff, away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. Follow us on Instagram, at AFTN Soccer. 
And we'll be back on Sunday with the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio. 101.9 FM, CITR.ca online, 11pm, live every Sunday. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with BC Soccer Web, your one-stop site for all your local, national and international links. And there'll be lots of stuff on that for the Gold Cup coming up, so make sure you check bcsoccerweb.com every day. But until next time, we hope you've enjoyed the ambience, noise in the background. As always, thanks for listening. Take care. And mourn the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.